Hello, Patriots. Welcome back to Survival Defense Tactics, helping you take care of yourself so others won't have to. You can always find me on Anchor.fm. You can sign up for listener support. I'm on YouTube. If you do like the YouTube videos, please hit the like and subscribe button. And of course, SurvivalDefenseTactics.com. Just sign up for the email notifications at the bottom of the page. That way you can get updates every time something is added. Today's topic is Prepper Passport. Now, it's not what you're thinking. It's not something that's got your photo on it and shows what countries you've been to lately. Quite the contrary. A Prepper Passport, and you can Google search this and find all kinds of amazing information on them. I learned about them years and years ago and decided that I was going to try one. Turns out they're a lot easier to make than you think. They're kind of a pain in the ass because there's a lot of detailed information in them. But this detailed information is for you. So why would you want a passport? Like I said, there's a ton of information in it. It's organized. You're going to organize it the way that works for you. And you make them out of three ring binders. And yeah, I'm talking about the kind that you use in high school. I would highly recommend, as opposed to buying a hole punch, spend the extra money and go buy the little plastic sleeves that already have the tab on the side that the hole punch is pre-made for. The, 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 the binder rings. It just fits right in there. You snap them in place. And then you slide a piece of paper in through the top end of it. Uh, three ring binders, of course, you can go just about any size from one inch all the way up to three inch, four inch, however big they make them. I recommend starting off with like inch and a half to two inch three ring binders. You'll understand why here in a little bit. These three ring binders, each one of them is a passport. We're going to start with the main passport. And that's what I call it. You call it whatever you want. The main passport, when you first open it up, you're going to find specific information about each member of my family. We are a family of four. There is one main passport for all four of us. So when you open up my main passport in there, you're going to find my medical information, not my medical records, my medical information, blood type, birthday, approximate weight at the time that I made it. Thank God I've gained a few pounds since then. Next, you're going to find stuff like allergies. Now, allergies is kind of a unique thing. If you've got allergies, you're going to want to list them. I have exactly two allergies in this entire world. One of them is stupid people. That's a joke. I just don't like stupid people. But if you write down your allergies and your medical information, let's just use uh, bee stings, for example. Let's say that your bee sting is so severe that you have to carry an EpiPen, an epinephrine pen. So what you would do is under your allergies headline, you would write down bee stings. And then if it was me, off to the side in parentheses, I would type in EpiPen. Now, if you're going to handwrite these, handwrite them. If you're going to type them up on your computer, type them up on your computer. Print them off. Don't leave your stuff on your computer because in the event of a power outage and you don't have some kind of a backup generator, all your passport information is no longer accessible to you. Print them off, write them down, do something where you can see them by candlelight if necessary. Now, your allergies list will be as detailed or as generic as you want it. But I highly recommend you write down every single thing you're allergic to, and then off to the right-hand side of it, in parentheses, 
write down the antidote that fixes it, or at least alleviates some of it. This is handy for you, obviously, your spouse, your children, or anybody else that might be in your prepper group. If crap has hit the fan and, and your group is all combined together in one general location to ride out the storm and combine their skills, combine their resources, and the, the community effort is in full swing, and you go down, you hit the ground, and nobody knows what happened to you. That passport with your allergy information and the antidote could very well be what saves you. That's worst case scenario. I'm giving you the extreme cases. More than likely, you're never going to have to worry about anybody else looking in your passport. But if you do, it's there. Next, medications. Now, I, for one, am completely, totally against big pharmacies. I hate big pharma. Can't stand them. Never could stand them. Don't like them. That's my problem, not yours. The stuff I do take every day is either vitamins or herbal supplements. And in there, it would be under medications. That's what I would write it down as, as medications. In there, you will find a complete list of what I take every day, how many times a day, and how much a day. Luckily, I take my medication, as it were, once a day, first thing in the morning, and the list shows you exactly how many of what I take. It doesn't tell you why. I know why. And anybody that understands herbal medicine will understand more than likely why I take what I do. Another thing to add to your main passport would be a copy of your shot record. Now, your shot record, if it's like mine, isn't even half of a page. I have my shot record from the military, and it shows every inoculation I got. I took my school shot record, added to it. Presto, there's my shot record. Shot records are important. I do believe that if you've been inoculated for anything at all, you should probably have a record of it, hopefully the date of when the inoculation occurred, and so forth. Have a complete copy, not the original copy. In fact, let me highlight right now, in this passport, you're not putting the original of anything in it. Nothing. Only copies. You keep your originals in a fire safe somewhere, completely protected. These are copies for quick reference. Birth certificate. Make a copy of your birth certificate. Now, this is what we did. We took every one of our birth certificates, we took our social security card. Most birth certificates have a blank spot closer to the bottom of the page. And we took our, our social security card, laid it in that blank spot, held it in place, flipped it upside down on our copier, Hit the copy button, and that one sheet, when it prints out, is the complete birth certificate and your Social Security card all in one. And I know what you're thinking. I don't know that I want copies of my Social Security card floating around. Don't worry. Security is the utmost on these passports. You will protect the passports. You will put them in a safe place, somewhere out of sight, out of mind. It will not be easy access. And yet again, these passports are customizable to you. What are you comfortable putting in them? What are you comfortable leaving out of them? Customize these to fit your needs, not somebody else's. Now, in the event of a house fire, our passports are in a fire safe along with the originals. Our, our original records and our copies would both be protected. 
but that's just us. That's just the way we want to do it. Another thing to add to this would be a copy of your marriage license and or death certificates of family members. You would want to keep copies of those. Copy of your military records. And let me be very specific when I say records. I'm not talking about your complete file. It comes to you in encyclopedia form from Uncle Sam. I'm very specific. I'm talking about your DD-214 members 1 through 4. If you're a vet, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not a vet, don't worry about it. Next thing I highly, highly, highly recommend is a firearms list. Fuel and firearms. And I hope and pray that you do. You should have a page in there that lists every firearm you own, its make, model, and its serial number. I don't care too much about the date of purchase. I don't think it's that important. I, I don't think any of us can really remember when we bought whatever gun it is that we have. In the event that a firearm is stolen from your home, you can go back to your passport. And you can pull up that page and you will have the firearms make model and a serial number to report to the police as a stolen firearm. Next thing you're going to want to have in there, important addresses. Now on that, if you listen to the podcast, or I'm sorry, not the podcast, if you read my blog about bugging out compared to bugging in, these important addresses will come in very handy if your situation dictates that in the event of an emergency, you have to leave your home and go someplace else safe. That's where you want the addresses. Is your first bug out location, say your brother's house, 200 miles away. Let's get his address in there. There's no guarantee that GPSs will be working during your emergency, but having that address and hopefully a good roadmap will get you there. If not, you know, it should get you at least close enough that you and your brother can somehow coordinate and make the trip finish out. And, of course, I'm saying brother as, a, as an example, just wherever you're going. If for whatever reason he's not home, he's on vacation in Spain, and you have to fall back on bug out location number two, you need that address. You need to have a complete list of addresses that are important to you in the event of an emergency. Next. You should have a copy of your bank account, including routing numbers, your debit card numbers, and all your credit card information in this passport. Your credit cards. You need to have your credit card number, your three-digit code on the back, and the phone number to the company that issued you the credit card. You're walking through Walmart, somebody picks your pocket, they steal your purse, whatever it is. Now your credit cards are stolen. You have the ability to pull this passport out, call those phone numbers, and cancel those cards. Hopefully you get it done before it's too late. Somebody racks up an account, your account really, really high, and there you are stuck with it. Having those credit card information and phone numbers and your bank's information and debit card information on file in black and white will make it a lot easier for you in the event your stuff is stolen or even just lost. You need to have this information handy. The next passport 
you could do all these passports into one large passport. That way you've only got one three-ring binder to keep up with. And yet again, as I've said, please customize these to fit your needs. If you're doing it like I'm doing it, here comes passport number two. Now on the edge of this passport, instead of saying main passport, it's going to say storage. And storage is very simple. If you are a cataloger, if you like to know how much of this you have and how much of that you have, and well, I'm getting low on this, I need to go pick some of that up. This is where inventories come in very, very handy. And I can't think of a better example for inventory and cataloging than your shopping list for groceries. If you've listened to my podcast, Two is One, One is None, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you go shopping once a week, once every two weeks, or once a month for your groceries, you're going to have some kind of a list tells you how much of what you need. Well, same thing is true in inventory for your food storage. If you're storing food up, let's use this as an example. Let's say your family eats a lot of corn, a lot of green beans, and a little bit of black-eyed peas. Then it does you no good to store up 12 cases of corn, 12 cases of green beans, and 12 cases of black-eyed peas. In reality, it should be 12 cases of corn, 12 cases of green beans, and three cases of black peas. You need to store more of what you eat the most of. You need to store less of what you eat the least of. So make your inventory as precise as you need to be. And here's the thing, here's two things, two factors to keep in mind. When you make your inventory list, how many people are in your family and how long do you plan on living off your storage? Are you preparing for a month? Are you preparing for a year? Are you a family of two, a family of 12? This is where you get your math. Get your math figured out. How much do we need? You know, just, you're going to have to do your own research. I don't know your living situation. Don't need to know your living situation. You know it. And this is where your math will come in and tell you how much of what you need. In addition to food storage, if you're a gardener, God bless you, I love you, I love gardeners. Do you inventory your seeds? And if you are a gardener, are you regenerationing your seeds? And by that, I simply mean you keep some of your plants going just to help produce seeds for next year's garden. If you do that, if you do regeneration your seed, how much are you putting back? Are you only putting back enough for next year's garden? If you are, let me run this idea by you. How about you step it up and put enough back for two years worth of garden? Back to the two is one, one is done. If you only put back enough seeds for next year's garden and something happens, house fire, uh, a flood, whatever it is, something gets to your seeds and destroys it. Do you have enough just in case worst comes to worst? Or better yet, let's say you and your prepping community, y'all are getting ready to do a dry run. You're going to do a camp out test, if you will, to see how y'all's prepping abilities work as a community as a whole. Who else in your group is a gardener? Or are you the only one? This is where you're going to want those extra seeds. Extra seeds means extra crop, extra crops to feed extra people, so on, so on, so on. 
So if you do keep your seeds back, or maybe you buy your seeds every year, buy extra. If you're a gun owner, pray to God you are, everybody knows that an unloaded gun is worthless unless you intend to beat somebody to death with it. You're going to need ammunition. Not just ammunition for self-defense, but you're also going to need ammunition for hunting. If you use your weapons to put food on the table, you will need hunting ammunition. Don't forget you're going to need to do some target practice. And I'm going to give you a very good example. Now, according to the United States Marine Corps, I am a rifle and a pistol expert. Now, by expert, don't take that to mean that I'm a gunsmith. No, the expert means my ability to hit the target consistently. And, well, being a rifle expert and a pistol expert, to me, means very little. Because expert today doesn't mean expert tomorrow. So even though I am very accurate with my firearms, I still practice. And, and I can't preach that near enough. Practice, practice, practice. I know you heard me say it on other podcasts. It definitely applies when it comes to marksmanship. Practice. You're going to need the extra ammo for practice. Now, if you're one of those rare people like I am, not only do I shoot ammunition, I make ammunition. Not just reloading, but bullet casting as well. Do you inventory your primers, powder, your brass? Do you have enough lead? What about your bullet molds? Do you have every single thing that you need, every component of that round to make it again? And if so, what about your other components, like the tumbling media, your brass polish, things of that nature? Do you have plenty of that on hand stored up? Inventory it. You'll find out. Next will be tools. And the two best examples I can give for tools is I was a mechanic for several years, and I amassed quite a collection of mechanical tools. Now, the tools are great. If you know how to use them, if you don't, learn. If you don't want to learn, don't buy them. No point in wasting money. Sure, they're cool and pretty to look at, but learn how to use them. If you can do for yourself, learn how to do for yourself. If you already know how to do for yourself, thank you. Next example of tools. What if carpentry is your thing? Do you have your carpentry tools? And is carpentry a bartering thing that you could do when poop hits the fan. Or do you do carpentry as a hobby? Just what is your carpentry level? Whatever your level is, do you have the matching amount and type of tools you would need? Now I added in here home electronics. I only added that to show you how far and how precise you could actually go with your inventory. If you want to inventory your TV and your Blu-ray player and your gaming console, your computers, all that stuff by make, model, and serial number, by all means, knock yourself out. I didn't. But you can. Once again, somebody breaks in, steals something. You have accurate information to provide to the police. Next, catalog book collection. And by that, I'm going to be very specific. In my notes, it's wrote down as Catalog Book Collection on Prepping and Homesteading. And here's some examples. Do you buy books that tells you how to raise animals, like how to raise rabbits, how to raise chickens, how to raise goats, so on? 
Now, you're not necessarily going to want the book in your passport, but the title to it, you probably would. That way, if you've got every other book you have, except maybe you still haven't bought How to Raise Chickens, well, look in your passport. You don't have one. If it's in your passport, then you know it's on your bookshelf. It's a, It sounds redundant, but trust me, it, it actually helps. Another uh, good book you might want to have in there is something that deals with farming. It, you know, not just raising animals, but like raising crops. Like more than a few rows of corn, for example. Do you have any books that deal on water wells and or irrigation plants? If you have those books, you should put those titles in that passport. If for no other reason, a quick reference, you can see what you have on hand. And, oh, well, I need to know more about this. Google search, research for that book, whatever it's going to be, whatever the title of it's going to be. Get it ordered, get it in, and then add that to your passport. That way, like I say, quick reference. If nothing else, you know what you have and what you need and what you don't have. Now, the next two passports, you could technically lump together. They're not large of themselves. In fact, they would actually be kind of small. So one of them is called communications, and then the other one is vehicle and ATV maintenance information. Now, this is why you could put these two passports together. Communications. Now, I've got a podcast on communications. In your passport, under communications, if you have a communications passport itself, or if this is just a communication subtitle in another passport, either way, if you're like I am, you're going to want to write down the main used frequencies, ham radio, that you intend to use. If you've been doing your networking and practicing your relays with ham radio, you are going to have certain contacts, people that you can actually reach on a regular basis with a ham radio. Now, are they in the next town over or are they in the next state over? Well, it kind of depends upon your location and how much time you invest in trying to communicate with people. These contacts more than likely are going to be known, if no other reason, by their FCC call sign. And depending upon how much information they're willing to give you, they may tell you what state they're in and whereabouts. If they become close enough friends and y'all actually swap addresses and phone numbers someday, and this becomes a potential bug out location, then not only is the radio frequency you talk to them on and their contact information important, you're also going to want to be able to find them on a map. Now, if you have a U.S. map, kind of like the ones we used to have in you know, grade school, they're uh, four or five feet long, three or four feet high, an entire map of the U.S. You could find an easy way to write down this one frequency, write down their call sign, and then maybe put the color blue, write the word blue right beside it. Use a blue push pin and stick it on the map where they are located. If you're smart and you put this map where you can see it while you're on the ham radio, you have the ability to see how far you're talking. You already know who you're talking to, but how far away are they? Well, if I can talk that far away northeast, and terrain and environmental conditions agree. 
I should be able to take, talk that distance any direction. Yeah, I know that's kind of a far-fetched fantasy, but in theory, you would think so. But your contacts and their locations on a map and the radio frequencies you talk to them on, I believe, be very, very vital information for one of your passports. When you've got your network all built and you're very happy with your, your contacts and your the people in your network and you all have fun communicating back and forth and you're getting really good at it and bonds are getting tighter and stronger, this is where that location map will come in handy. And y'all can discuss prepping and whatnot in your own way. Ham radio, emails, phone call, I don't care. Get to know these people. Make sure that they're somebody you would be willing to take a chance on. Might be situation, might be reversed. What if they're coming to you? So, a lot of stuff to keep in mind. In that same exact passport, you could add vehicle and ATV maintenance information. Now, by information, I'm not talking about records and receipts from when you had the oils changed at Walmart, wherever you went. God forbid. If you do this yourself, you should already have the receipts to show when you bought the stuff to change your oil yourself. But the vehicle and ATV maintenance information, let's say you have a, I have a 2012 Chevy Impala. I know what, in my little passport, it tells me what the engine size is. It tells me exactly which filter I need, which type of oil, and how much I need. Tells me correct tire pressure, tells me what type of transmission fluid, brake fluid, power steering fluid, so on, so on, so on. Every general maintenance piece of information I want to know about that car is in that passport. Now, I also added ATV to this, too, because I don't think there are any hybrid electric ATVs. If you own a four-wheeler, a dune buggy, adult-size go-kart, whatever, whatever it is you have, and it requires maintenance, you need to know. How much oil does it take? What type of oil? What kind of filter does it use? Where does it go? How much tire pressure goes in the ATV tires? I mean, just general maintenance to keep your equipment running. If you use an ATV, for example, for deer hunting, and I do, I have an adult size go kart. And by adult size, I'm not kidding you. I'm not cramped in it. It's not as big as a dune buggy or a sand rail. It's a go kart but it is made for full-grown adults. I use it for deer hunting, as in when I drop a deer, I shoot him, he runs half a mile and falls over dead, and I want to drag him a half a mile back through all that brush. I mark the spot where he went down. I walk back to my truck. I unload the go-kart. It is all-terrain. does not have street tires on it. It's definitely an all-terrain buggy. And I take off out through there. I go after my deer. I gut him. I tie a rope around his neck, drag him as high up on the roll cage as I can. His hind legs are going to drag the ground. But now the go-kart gets to do 95% of the work for me. And I will drive him all the way back to my truck, unload him, throw him in the bed of the truck, load up the go-kart, go home, finish processing the deer. Maybe it's not a go-kart. Maybe you do this on a four-wheeler. Yay, you still need to have maintenance done on these ATVs to keep them running right. So that way, when you do shoot the deer, it does run a mile off. You track it down, you find it, go back, get the ATV. 
I say this because there are a lot of farmers and landowners that do not want you driving your four-wheel drive trucks through their fields to go after your deer that they said you could hunt. They are a lot more likely to let you take an ATV through there because it's lighter weight, won't tear up near as much crop, and you're in and you're out. So if you have an ATV, please keep that thing maintenance up the same as your car or your pickup truck. Next passport. I'm going to call this passport the cookbook. Inside this passport, you could keep printed off recipes of things that you really like you found on the internet. One of the things I keep in my cookbook is the dehydrator manual. And in that dehydrator manual, it tells me exactly how long I'm supposed to dehydrate apple slices, how thick they're supposed to be cut. Not just apple slices, all kinds of food. It tells you how thick to cut meat if you're going to dehydrate and make jerky. And you want to slice up, say, a roast. It tells you how thick to slice it, how long to dehydrate it. These are very useful pieces of information when you're processing out any kind of game meat. And by game meat, I do mean deer, fish, rabbit, squirrel, hog, whatever. Having these quick reference manuals in your passport will be super, super handy. In addition to the dehydrator manuals, how to meat preparation, anything on meat preparation. If you're curing it, you're going to smoke it. You know, whatever it is you're going to do with it, not to mention preserving it. Are you canning it? Are you, how are you preserving your meat? Well, have information on it, have books on it, have printoffs that you can throw into this passport for quick reference. You can be as elaborate or as simple as you want to be with this passport.